Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Egberto is your host. Thank you so kind for being part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. How's everybody doing? I trust all's doing fine. E2247 is in the house. And of course, we have Melanie Keelan. She says, it feels like Friday. How you doing, Melanie? From Barcelona, Spain. We also have in the house our one and only Bridge MCP and Mike. And we have Wide Awake saying hello, everyone. Uh, who else we've got? Uh, AVQ, Michael Rudnan. How are you doing, my dear brother? Anyway, we are going to have a great show for you today. For all of you who are fathers, happy Father's Day. And today is Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth, folks. Uh, you know, all originated right here in Texas, about 50 miles down the road in Galveston, Texas. Actually, from my house, it's more probably more like 70 miles or so, I think, given how far north we are. But anyhow, I am hoping that those of you who are able to are celebrating Juneteenth, getting some barbecue and some lemonade and all the things that fixings that go along with it. Big holiday. Of course, you know yours truly don't get a chance to celebrate much these days because we've got so much work to do. All right, let's see what we have. First note from coming in from El Senor E2247 says, In library on Juneteenth by Garden Reed, Texas native descendant of enslaved persons brought into 1820 Texas combines personal anecdotes and poignant facts of annals of U.S. No American history. Thank you. American history. Thank you. E2247 also Garden uh, reads show how from earliest presence of black people in Texas to Galveston, 6-19-1865, as Major General Granger announced and on TX, Texas legal slavery, African-Americans played Texas history's integral role. Uh, reworking, again from E2247, Reworking traditional Alamo framework and powerful demonstrates that slave and race-based economy defined fictitious era of Texas independence precipitated Mexican-American War and U.S. Civil War. Understanding role slavery in development of U.S. and how its legacy still influences us today. Here's a comprehensive guide to teaching and learning this critical topic at all K-12 grade levels indigenous enslavement in u.s the forgotten slavery of our ancestors thank you for that as well e2247 we the people the three most misunderstood words in u.s history mark charles chad nation ted talk 17 minutes video i'm gonna have to see that one and so thank you for bringing that information i can always count on our peeps to keep us well informed. I can always count on our peeps to keep us well informed. Wow, wow, and wow. Okay, let's see what else What else I got here. Okay, Eric Hay says, student loans are coming, dual, uh, are coming due after a three-year pause put in place during the pandemic. Federal student loans will start uh, uh, accruing interest again on September 1st. And payments will resume in October. Borrowers should not expect another payment pause extension from the White House since the latest repayment timeline is now provisioned in the debt ceiling deal approved by Congress. Of course, 
the Republicans are starting to to raise hell and are starting to bust the debt ceiling by wanting to give yet another tax cut to rich people. So who is going to bust the agreement first? We are going to see if we're going to give relief to students in need or we're going to give relief to uh, the people who have been abusing the people of the United States, the wealthy who work, who the people work for at a pittance. We'll see. Who do you have more feelings for, Mr. Hayes? Who do you have more support for, Mr. Hayes? Who do you support? Those people that are out there actually doing the work or getting ready to do the work or those people who are living off of the work and intellect of others? Seems to me like uh, you need to kind of refer... Re uh, reorganize your mind in certain ways, my brother. All right, let's see what else we've got here. Bridge MCP says, I took slaves in Texas two and a half years to get the news. Yes, it did. James W. Lechmere led the 25 May 1774 petition for freedom uh, to General and Governor uh, George, His Majesty's Court. Is that count? I don't understand that. Okay. All right, Eric Hayes says, your buddy is bowing out. Amanda Edwards, yes, she's going to run for Sheila Jackson's Lee place in case Sheila Jackson Lee doesn't win the mayorship of Houston. Well, as it turns out, now that, that Amanda Edwards is out, I believe Sheila Jackson Lee is the only woman in the race. And as such, I may have to declare, um, I am not declaring it right now, but I'm likely to be supporting Sheila Jackson Lee. I think she has earn the support of Houstonians, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, continuing, we have Michael Rudden says, one uh, could make an argument that slavery never ended and exists now in two forms. Slavery by mass incorporations, you get it, brother, and antiseptic wage slavery. That's what I call it, antiseptic slavery. Uh, better things to report. So, or rather, right, it's a separate Of course, one is harsher than the other, but that other is unbelievably widespread. And you know, one harsher than the other is debatable, right? For those slaves who just did their work and, and, uh, and you know, yeah, they lived, they, they were forced to live frugally, more frugal than anything else, but now you don't even get health care if you're an employee, right? So, anyhow. Eric Hay says, no feelings, just economic issues, no emotions there. Well, uh, to be human is to have emotions. And if you're a human without emotions, uh, it concerns me, right? Because I want to have emotions towards my fellow human beings. That emotion is what allows me when I see somebody who breaks a leg, irrespective of them having insurance or not, for me to fight for them to make sure they're healed. Having emotion means when I look on the TV and I see my brothers and sisters in Appalachias, the ghetto or the barrios having an issue, I feel for them. Having students who've been conned into loans, uh, bad loans to, to, for, a, for, for a job that likely will be unable to pay back those loans, I do feel empathetic towards them. Yeah, I do. I do. I have feelings. Yes, I feel for my uh, fellow human being, whoever, whomever they are. So yes, my brother, feelings, call me guilty, but feelings. Well, it turns out that the former AG, Egberto, 
that one harsher than the other. The two million in prison are suffering harsher than the hundred plus million subsisting with poverty. Oh, okay. I mean, I thought you meant the other one, but you're so right about that, brother, uh, brother Rudnan. So yes, sir. All right. Uh, AG, the AG of the United States, Attorney General Barr, and the former Def- Defense Secretary, El Senor Esper, they really gave it to Trump this week. It's about, I think they're really trying to get Trump out. But Trump will never leave the race. He has to continue. He has to continue. Uh, let's We can talk about student loans with Eric. Same as bonds. I know, I know. It's it's sort of that, that, well, I won't use the word. But anyhow, let's go ahead and listen to the attorney, the former attorney general and the former secretary of defense on Donald Trump. I think you'll find it quite interesting. Check this out. Bill Barr, the AG, uh, the attorney general for Donald Trump and Mark Espy, his uh, defense secretary, they came out on the attack. And the question is, these guys are fearful that just maybe uh, this guy could win again. Otherwise, this concerted effort to really bring this guy down would not have been realized. But they're doing so far a great job. Where the hell have they been before? This stuff is stuff that's been known from this guy from before this guy ever came into power in 2016. But just now. The Republican parties or B have noticed that, well, this guy wasn't only a distraction. He could actually cause damage. Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. This is not a circumstance where he's the victim or this is government overreach. Uh, He provoked this whole problem himself. Yes, he's been the victim of unfair witch hunts in the past, but that doesn't obviate the fact that he's also a fundamentally flawed person who engages in reckless conduct and that leads to situations, calamitous situations like this, uh, which are very destructive and hurt any political cause he's associated with. And this was a case that entirely of his own making. How strong is the special counsel's case on obstruction specifically? Well, it's very strong because a lot of the evidence comes from his own lawyers. And furthermore, there's evidence of him saying things that are completely incompatible with any idea that this was an innocent document dispute. Do you believe he lied to the Justice Department? Do I personally believe it? Yes, I do. The legal theory by which he gets to take battle plans and and sensitive national security information as his personal papers is absurd. It's just as wacky as the legal doctrine they came up with for, you know, having the vice president unilaterally determine who won the election. You know, has many good qualities and he accomplished some good things. But the fact of the matter is uh, he is a consummate narcissist and he constantly engages in reckless conduct that that puts uh, his political followers at risk and, and, and the conservative and Republican agenda at risk. He will always put his own interests and gratifying his own ego ahead of everything else, including the country's interests. There's no question about it. This is a perfect example of that. He's like, you know, he's like a nine-year-old, a defiant nine-year-old kid who's always pushing the glass toward the edge of the table, defying his parents to stop him from doing it. It's a means of self-assertion and exerting his dominance over other people. And he's, he's a very petty individual who will always put his interests ahead of the country's, his personal gratification of his, you know, of his ego. But our country, our country can't, you know, can't be a therapy session for, you know, a troubled man like this. 
You work closely with Trump. I've heard two different theories as to why he had these documents. One uh, from Stephanie Grisham, who said um, he just likes, you know, these are mine. And he's like a child with a toy. And one from Michael Cohen. He said he thought that Trump had these documents because he wanted to use them to further his own power or financial well-being in some way. Why do you think he held on to these documents and went to such lengths uh, to stop them, to prevent them from being turned over to the government? Yeah, look, I think both theories could be true and, and likely are true to some extent. Uh, who knows? People have described him as a hoarder when it comes to these type of documents. But clearly it was unauthorized, illegal and, and dangerous. Based on your experiences working with the Trump and the actions alleged in the indictment, do you think Trump can be trusted with the nation's secrets ever again? Well, based on his actions, again, if proven true uh, under the indictment by the special counsel, no. I mean, it's it's just irresponsible action that places uh, our service members at risk, places our nation's security at risk. You understand the seriousness of this better than than I do. Why is it why is it a risk to the nation's security to have these documents lying around in Mar-a-Lago? Well, imagine if a foreign agent, uh, another country, were to discover documents that outline America's vulnerabilities or the, the weaknesses of the United States military. Think about how that could be exploited, how that could be used against us in a conflict, uh, how an enemy could develop countermeasures, things like that. Or in the case of uh, the most significant piece that was raised in the allegation about U.S. plans to uh, attack Iran. Uh, think about how that affects our readiness, our ability to prosecute an attack if indeed we know that Iran uh, eventually develops a nuclear weapon and we need to act on it. I mean, those things affect our ability uh, to effectively execute policy and could also affect, uh, again, the the uh, lives of our military members who are sent forward to do uh, such type of operations. So I'm, I'm quite concerned about this. These are very serious allegations and need to be taken seriously by everybody involved. Once again, where were you, Bill Barr? Where were you, Mark Esper, when it was time to really talk about this guy during his administration to ensure that he got impeached before he could have done the amount of damage that he likely has done to the security of the country? Where were you? Maybe you're making amends right now, but you know what? For what you've done before, I tell you what, you still have a whole lot of atonement for this entire country. Absolutely so. Hey, Mike, I see that you put out there uh, still talking about Trump. Let me tell you, we're going to uh, we, we have to keep him in the news with all his ill doings and all the Republicans that are going out there finally and talking about it. You know, it, it, it's sort of what we do with our brother here. Mike Cisak puts him in a panic, realizing, oh, my God, I was following the wrong guy. Oh, my God, he really he really lied to us. Of course, they won't admit it, but deep in their hearts, they know that this guy was a clear and present danger. Deep in their hearts, they know that this guy screwed them. But they have to try to make and hope that they could find something on Biden. Look, I'm not a Biden fan, you know, but my God, just about any person walking the planet on, on Earth, any politician walking the planet, uh, it cares more about this country than Donald Trump, who likely wanted all that, that stuff to sell to sell to the you-know-whom. Uh, let's see, 2247, say, Berta, come on, man. They're both trying to clean the off them, themselves and hope they don't get indicted too. I hear you, man. You're, you know, actually, you know what? Guess what? You may, I, brother E2247, 
you may actually be right. Welcome aboard as well, our dear, beautiful Yvette Avery Harrod and Peggy Lopez, who just made it in as far as I have seen. Mike Cisak, welcome to you as well, sir. Um, Michael Rodney says, I swear the conservatives in our, in our uh, nation are grasping at whataboutism, not realizing that what Trump is facing is a criminal matter not a political one. In a court of law, whataboutism is an admission of guilt. Bridge MCP has one for the screen, and I am scared to see what she has this time, but she has something that I must read, evidently. And it goes like this as I put it on the screen. He would have thrown on a dress if he was on the Titanic. <laughs> That's a picture for those of you who are listening on the podcast. It's a picture of Donald Trump sitting down in the White House with a with a yellow uh, imprint says, or rather, yellow caption saying, yellow caption saying, he would have thrown on a dress if he was on the Titanic. In other words, he would have tried to get off that ship. Forget about the women. Forget about anything else. It's about me, 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 me. Good one, Bridge MCP. Good one. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, maybe five more indictments to unleash just with Smith. Actually, um, uh, Jack Smith uh, has, I think, uh, one for January 6th and one for what he's done in Jersey. So, yeah, there are quite a bit more indictments that should be coming for Donald Trump. We've been telling, welcome aboard Alistair Waters. We've been telling all our conservatives that, that continue to believe in Trump that his day was coming. And not only his day was coming, that eventually they would turn on Trump when they realized that he was no longer the horse that carries them. And he's doing exactly that. He's about to fall nice and flat on his face. Let's see who else we got in the house. Oh, I, I, I like the one that says uh, another pun that Bridge MCP put in there that says Trump 20 to 24. And we don't mean 2024. We mean 20 to 24 years in prison. And you know what? That is where this guy belongs in prison. This is a guy that hurt a lot of people. This is a guy that had a water company that deceived people. This is a guy that had an airline that deceived people. This is a guy that had a false university that deceived people. This is a man that had a false stake that deceived people. This is a guy that came into office and deceived people. This is a guy that is responsible for the one point something million Americans that died in the pandemic because we didn't nip it on the butt the way Obama did the Ebola virus when it got out of control and was on its way here. We should have had armies of people around the world protecting the ports with, with, uh, with, with, with quarantine materials. We should have had our people protected. The science was clear. Even if we didn't have a vaccine, even if we didn't have these items, the science was clear that if we had Americans doing what they did in many countries around the world who still don't have vaccines but survived the, the, the pandemic by simply following the cleanliness protocols of masks, et cetera, et cetera. If we had just listened to our own science that was done in Kansas, we're one county that masked compared to one county that went unmasked, showed a difference in infection rates 
that that was extraordinary. But no, Trump chose to kill people for his vanity. And for that, he should pay dearly. For allowing, for, for not taking the lead. He should have been on Fox News and Newsmax and OAN and saying, look, I've got to save my people, the people of the United States. But this chicken piece of you know what, my dear friends, and you know I don't speak like this on air, but this piece of crap that we had for a president got a lot of Americans killed. And unfortunately, a lot of those got, he got killed were those who believed in him. Our brothers and sisters who believed in him, he might as well have had a gun to their brains because he killed them. That's that man that Bridge MCP has on the screen right now. That's an evil, immature caricature of a person, caricature of a human being that just hurt everything that he touches, kills everything that he touches. And to think there are still Americans that are susceptible to his evil just shows what hate can find you, what hate can do to you. Because to support a guy like this just because you have a hate for others is a defect, is a defect that needs a solution. Michael says, we're still talking about Trump. He's dead to rights on will retention. Oh, I read that already. I read that already. Let's get, get some more stuff down here. I scrolled up. That's a problem. All right, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Egberto Willis for the screen. I think that's the one I have on the screen already. Uh, yeah, that's the one I have on the screen. I just scrolled up and lost my position in all the emails or all the texts. E2247, maybe five more indictments. Yes. <clears throat> Alistair Waters is in the house. Welcome, my beautiful Alistair. How are you doing today, ma'am? Uh, let's see. Thought we are on the Titanic now. Eric Hayes. No, we're not. All right. What else have we got here? Brit says, Biden family. Seriously, one more screen face, please. Okay. Just because you want it, you got it. Oh, wow. That's a beautiful one. Here we go. Jared got two Billion dollars. Where is my cut? <laughs> that is so funny. That is so funny. I love that meme. Check it out, guys. It's on the screen. Uh, we got also um, Alistair says Trump is dressing up as we speak. Uh, Peggy Lopez says Trump is the uh, is their horse carrying the GOP to the final destination. The end. Uh, Bar Epps, Zinke, and others. God, uh, let's see, God knows who are all potential indictments yet to be unleashed. Alistair Waters says, let's not forget how he's a perpetrator of espionage. Absolutely so. Uh, AVQ says, Peggy, yep, Trump's likely to take the Republican Party down with him, especially as they can't shake Trump off before the primary. Mike Cisak says, Biden family has a long history of receiving bribery, and of course, he gets his his, his uh, information from Fox News, OAN, and um, Newsmax. So you know how far to take that. Egberto Bridge had one more for the screen. I think I put it on the screen already, sir. And let's see what else we have here before I go to the next video. We have 
Thanks for putting the meme on the screen from Michael Rodnan. All right, let's go ahead and play the second video of the day. It's going to be about the President Obama and Tim Scott. Tim Scott, that poor person, doesn't know American history sufficient to understand. So maybe Obama schooling him would do the job. Unfortunately, I doubt it. But check it out. Tim Scott would have you believe that anybody in America who complains about racism or all the other isms that hold back uh, people, not necessarily on an individual basis, but in a more systemic, uh, in a more systemic manner, that somehow that is just a, a progressive or democratic imagination. We are all we all have equal to success in his book. After all, look at Tim Scott. He was able to get to the Congress and then to the Senate. Look at uh, look at Barack Obama. He was able to become the president of the United States. So therefore, all things are great now. But he forgets. He forgets that people can see. He forgets that people can count. He forgets that we can see people's bank accounts. We can see how the different parts of this society gets ahead or not. I want you to listen to what he had to say when he decided to run as a Republican candidate, and then we'll take it on the other side. And for those of you who wonder if it's possible for a broken kid and a broken home to rise beyond their circumstances, the answer is yes. And for those of you who wonder if America is a racist country, take a look at how people come together. All of God's people come together. We live in the land of opportunity. We live in the land where it is absolutely possible for a kid raised in poverty in a single parent household, in a small apartment, to one day serve in the people's house, and maybe even the White House. <laughs> this, this is the greatest nation on God's green earth. Today I'm thinking back to my grandfather, born in 1921 in Sally, South Carolina, in the Deep South. By the time he was in the third grade, he was forced out of school, his education was over, and he was forced to start picking cotton. But my grandfather lived long enough to watch his grandson pick out a seat in Congress. That's... That's the evolution of the country we live in. My family went from cotton to Congress in his lifetime. And it was only, it was only possible because my grandfather had a stubborn faith. Faith in God, faith in himself, and faith in what America 
would be. He looked beyond the pain of his present and he saw the promise of his future. That black man who struggled through the Jim Crow South believed then what some doubt now in the goodness of America. I was seven years old when my parents divorced. We moved in with my grandparents, my mom and my brother. We all three shared one bed and one bedroom in that 700 square foot rental home. But my grandfather said to me, son, you can be bitter or you can be better, but you can't be both. You see, he chose patriotism over pity. He focused on the windshield of his life and not on the rearview mirror. And today, I'm living proof that America is the land of opportunity and not a land of oppression. Well, everything for uh, for Tim Scott is red, white, red, white, and blue. Great church and Christians. If you just believe in God, work hard. And forget about all the inequities in society, all the drawbacks that you have to fulfill to catch up. If you forget about all of that, things will just be fine. But you know what? Obama responded. Obama thinks differently. And I think we should take a listen to what he has to say. It was in one of the most cogent, uh, most a perfect way of saying it. Let's let's listen to Obama and then take it on the other side. I'm not being cynical about Tim Scott individually. I am maybe suggesting that the rhetoric of can't we all get along and the quotes you made about, uh, you know, from my speech in 2004 mm-hmm. about there's a United States of America. That has to be undergirded with an honest accounting of our past and our present. There may come a time where there's somebody in the Republican Party that is more serious about actually addressing some of the deep inequality that still exists in our society that tracks race and is a consequence of our racial history. And and if that happens, I think that would be fantastic. I, I haven't yet seen it. Now, what is important for us to realize is that folks like Tim Scott in other words, a black person uh, pretty much given permission for the status quo. So because he's made it to forget all of those who systemically cannot make it or that poor person in Appalachia, that poor person in Appalachia who is going and working very hard. He's going into the coal mines and he's happy to have that great job in the coal mine. And he gives that rich overlord a pass because I work very hard and and he pays me. He pays me for my work. And if I work hard enough, I just may be you just may be nothing. It is systemic. Those people who give the wealthy, who give those who wrong others an opportunity to do so by assuming or by telling other people that guess what, folks, I made it. 
I just worked a little bit harder. You can too. You are creating an excuse for the status quo that harms us all. Until we figure that out, understand who is the enemy. Understand that it's just a very select few that's really creating the problems in society. Things would never change. People like Tim Scott, people like that poor person who allows themselves to be used as a pawn of the system, they are more dangerous than the wealthy uh, people who do wrong themselves. They are worse than any treasonous or any traitor could possibly be. All right, folks. Yeah, Bridge is right. 22 watching. Can we get some likes and some shares out there? But uh, that is 22 on, on, on YouTube. There are more on, on, on the other networks as well. But here's, here's what I'd like to ask you to do. You know, um, I'm, I'm friendly with everybody. I believe in real uh, equality and equity. All of those things. And many have looked at some of the things that I've done, etc., and uses it as an excuse that, hey, uh, look, you did this or you did that, and try to use it as a template to why don't everybody else do that? Some po- people in our population don't have, to, don't have to go through that template, right? Um, Tim Scott is really the scourge of the earth. Because Tim Scott, in, in standing up to a mostly white audience, and I'm going to tell you, most of these people are good people. And I'm, I am serious about that. But to not acknowledge that, that race plays to today a major part in your success and your ability to move on. Not because there's an Oprah. Not because there's a Beyonce. Not because in my life before I went to doing full activism, I had a company that that did very well in those days. Does it mean that most don't have a hell of a climb? I tell you this, and I, I hope you... There are a lot of things that I could say, right? But I don't want it to sound self-serving. But I tell you something. You don't know. I'm going to tell you one quick story. And I, I've written a whole lot of these stories in a book that I have um, called Tribulations of an Afro-Latino-Caribbean Man. Racism Didn't Stop My Smile, Hope our journey forward. And the reason I wrote that book, it's a, it's, it's an online book at Amazon that you read online at Amazon. And the reason I wrote that book is because with my positive attitude and always moving on and, you know, I love everybody, etc. people kind of have the feeling like, well, you must not have gone through what a lot of those race baiters are talking about. And they're not really race baiters. You must have, you know, if you didn't go through that because you, no, I'm going to tell you, I went through it. I continue to go through it. To this day, I fear the cops. To this day, when a cop is behind me, I am in fear. To this day, when I walk into a store, I am followed. 
to this day, well, I can't say to this day, I don't cycle with my buddies here in Kingwood anymore, but when we cycled in Kingwood, to this day, when we walk into stores, my service level is less than. To this day. And it's not a figment of my imagination because interestingly, I remember one of my, my, my compatriots there riding the bike with me and when he got me aside, he, he pulled me aside and he says, Egberto, I see it now. I see it now. Because he was able to experience the difference, the difference in, in treatments, etc. That, that many times fly over people's heads. And what Tim Scott did there, instead of informing folks and saying, look, we can do better. Let's remember, let's do better. Let's not fool ourselves. Let's not lie to people. We can do better. You know, we can do better. Instead of doing that, he became a stooge of the system. Again, like I said, not because many don't say it or don't talk about it mean it's not there. Anybody interested in seeing, but let me tell you this quick story. I want to tell you this quick story. Uh, when I just got out of college, and I think it's in my book, when I just got out of college, I had a job in New Iberia, Louisiana. I had turned down four other jobs for at Amadol and a couple other uh, companies. And I got this job as a mechanical engineer, including I, I gave up one at Frito-Lay as well. People always say, well, did you go engineer the, Frito, the, the, the potato chips? No, the most complicated equipments are found in these places that make chips and all these things. But anyway, I turned that job down and I took the job at NL. NL Industries, they were a, comp- a login company. So I was supposed to sit in a truck at the computer well, throw the, throw the tool down in the well and figure out where there's what, at what layers there, were oil, there was oil and explode the, uh, the, the, the caps on that. So I was going to be an operator doing that kind of a work. And uh, so anyway, they did an x-ray and did our physicals and all of that. And I have a metal rod about a foot long on my spine. And for some reason, when they saw that, they said, oh, we can't hire you after all. I've turned down these jobs and now I've moved. Uh, I'm on my last credit card, my, my Exxon card. That's all I had left. Those were when you could use the Exxon cards to buy stuff with. That's all I was left with. And I'm in New Iberia, Louisiana, without a job because they said, after all, after hiring me, I couldn't. Now, I go ahead and they ship me to Houston and say, let's see if we can find you a position in Houston. So they, I, I drive to Houston from Iberia, New Iberia, Louisiana. They put me up on the campus at NL Industries. And I go for an interview with Pat. Her name is Pat. I won't use the last name because I don't want to, you know. But anyway, so she interviews me and she gives me, she, uh, it, it is evident this woman likes what she's hearing. It is evident that she liked my work ethic, etc. And she wants to hire me. It, it turns out I got a break. The job was for a master's in computer science. And I had a bachelor's in mechanical engineering with a sub, with a sub in uh, computer programming. I, I did patch panels and programming and all that kind of stuff. And this was, you know, so... Uh, she wants to hire me, so uh, the vice president of the unit calls me into his office, and he sits me down, and I'm I'm this green green kid. 
I am this green kid out of, out of Panama, just completed my four-year college degrees, just became a U.S. resident, and I'm going for an interview. Interview went great. Pat was a great woman. My best boss bar none, even though she kind of betrayed me in a little spot, but I can understand women in the oil industry had to do that. And then the vice president drags me to his office. And he says, I don't know why Pat likes you, but she does. And she thinks you can do the job. And he said, but if you don't get this job done in six months, you are out of here. And I don't want to hear a damn thing about affirmative action. And we are locked in this room. This 22-year-old kid locked in the room with the VP of of, of this unit at NL, and that's what he tells me. And I am shaking now, you know, I'm like, wow, what, a, what an introduction to a job. I got a job with the company elsewhere, and that is what he tells me, you know? So I got in there, and I worked my butt off, and I finished this six-month project in two months, it was a, a login system based on the PDP-11 uh, computer system done in assembly language. And I got the job done in two months. My boss, Pat, came into my uh, cubicle and she said, you don't have to worry about what that idiot said. You are here, man. Job was done. But the issue is that presence there could, that is the kind of positions that many of us are placed into. You think it's easy. We have a smile on our face, but what goes on behind the scenes? Many a time breaks a lot of people. It breaks a lot of people and it's an extra burden many don't have to go through. So when Tim Scott goes out there and he tells a whole group of white, a mostly white audience, that really doesn't have the experience to understand or see the reality of what occurs in corporate America, the reality of what occurs in America in general, because a lot of them, like I said, are good people, but the bad apple spoils the bunch. They don't see it. I wrote about it. I can tell you, I can tell you, it is not. It, it, you, you, don't, you don't get it until you've lived it. And many people just let it slide. Let it slide. But you don't know it until you live it. If you want to, I have, I have so many stories from being back in China and what happened in China, being in, in Colorado at the, the, the convention, the in, in Vegas, after having signed contracts that didn't get realized, people just don't know. And Tim Scott has the platform where he could inform people of the truth, but he doesn't use this platform. There is my book with a whole lot of the tribulations that I talk about, uh, politicsdoneright.com slash tribulations. If you will, check it out. It's on Amazon. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, 
Breach says, MCP, why haven't you been keep... Mike Sisek. Oh, I'm not going to read that one. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Okay, I have one more, one more video before we, we, we close out here that I think you guys are going to enjoy. Uh, sorry for going on my soapbox, but that one with Tim Scott really hit a nerve because it's a lived experience. And you guys know me. I'm, I don't play race card. I don't do all of that. I just tell the truth card. Let's go ahead and listen to Gavin Newsom, something that I hope more progressive and Democrats, progressives and Democrats would do. Check this out. I continue to admire how uh, Gavin Newsom take, took care of Hannity. If you take a look at Hannity continues to try to have Gavin Newsom play on his turf. But what Gavin Newsom did is because he had the numbers at the tip of his tongue, because he was well prepared for the interview, he was able to keep uh, Hannity on his heels. I want you to watch this. And this should be a perfect, a perfect way for Democrats, for progressives, whenever they go into the lion's dens. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. We wanted to show you this exchange that really has everyone talking. It's between California Governor Gavin Newsom and Sean Hannity of Fox News last week. Now, the host made claims that Democratic economic policies are causing businesses to leave blue states. Well, that debate and Newsom's public comments regarding Florida Governor Ron DeSantis are leading to renewed speculation over the California governor's White House ambitions. Take a listen. I'm a small business person. I've started th 21 companies, 1,000 employees. You're a great businessman. No, but it's like it, this is I in my your DNA. I'm passionate about that. So California never held me back. It gave me every opportunity in the world. Right. All these folks, Elon Musk, Tesla exists because of California's regulatory framework. Why are they moving the headquarters out of here? You know why? They moved their R&D headquarters money. back. To save money. They moved their R&D world headquarters back just three weeks ago. Why did they do that? The list is Wasn't to save long. money. Pick out one there's company. no state doing more in R&D than California. Is, That's these, the answer. These companies are leaving for one these reason. These companies are starting they're, for another reason. They're moving to increase Increase their profits and save because, money because you tax too much. Because we created the conditions where they flourished. And then they get to a point of maturity and they get a point of becoming multinational companies. And they leave. Why? That, and they move their headquarters. Because why? some find greener pastures or are looking for defensive postures as it relates to economic yeah, risk. They try, but there's thousands. We have 47% increase in business startups this year compared to last year. Would you not acknowledge one of the, acknowledge one of the, the seeds that are planted every single year? Not are, it's a it's almost a point of success. We birth these folks. They move out of the house and thousands more. Okay, so, every single single year. so they build their companies here and now all of a sudden they're paying that high tax bill. They were so they move their headquarters money. away. No, jeez. I mean, with by the way, do you support you, the idea? This is the honest way to be the fourth largest economy in the world. What are you arguing for? Mississippi's economic policy? Is that I mean literally that's if what you're, you're asking, asking me? For. If I wanted great if Sam I wanted the Kansas policy, if I mean, you, it was a debacle. No economic growth. 71% of the GDP in America are blue counties. I would say 71% of the GDP in America are blue counties. Progressive policies. Okay, that are paying high taxes. And 71% of the country's wealth. Seven of the top 10 dependent states. Let's say you're right. States. Let's say you No, we're subsidizing your states, Sean. <laughs> oh, 
are. I mean, that's it a was big, so much more that, work to this. Well, yeah, well, well. no, it, it, it was. But, you know, the, the argument that Sean was making is an argument that conservatives would make. I mean, I think taxes are too high in California. I think they're too high in New York. I think they're too high in Illinois. I know a lot of people that will want to move out of those states. <laughs> At the same time, you don't get a level of services if you move out of those states. And the the numbers, you just can't debate the numbers. Was that great or what? He kept Hannity completely off guard. And that is what you have to do because these guys only work with catchphrases. They only work with, with things that aren't necessary. Even if they're not absolutely false, they're not said in the right context. The way Gavin Newsom handled Hannity is the way every single right winger should be handled because we have to remember, in general, they are wrong. In general, they are lying. In generally, they do not have the facts, logic, or anything else on their side. Absolutely so. Anyway, Peggy Lopez, uh, you're absolutely right. Let me tell you another quick story. At Daily Coast, I wrote an article. Remember Obama won uh, the presidency in 2008, uh, running again. And by the way, in the primaries, Hillary Clinton lost. Now, I wrote an article at Daily Coast that I said sexism. Uh, I think I only said sexism, but I really meant sexism and misogyny is, uh, has been much tougher than racism because all races have a tendency to practice both sexism and racism. And I, I looked at, I said, let's even look at the, um, the, the, the race, the, the Democratic primary. Look, uh, Ob- Obama is a great guy, but Hillary Clinton was really the experienced one. If you're going to base on experience, you know, you'd have picked Hillary Clinton, right? But Obama superseded, and, and look, not to say Obama is a special cat, right? Yeah, he's special. But the truth of the matter is, uh, I, I've always thought that he made it before his time. And I've always thought that uh, Hillary Clinton as a woman, as a woman, yes, a lot of people don't like her. But as a woman, I was very, in the writings that I made, made it really clear that, in my opinion, gender is much more pervasive than race. But that said, you have to understand how gender, because remember, a lot of women are the reasons Donald Trump is president, right? And there are other complications when it comes to race as well. But I take your point. I've written about your point, Peggy. So I want you to know that I do understand that concept as a male. As a person who worked with the folks who were trying to pass hero in Houston against black ministers who were instrumental in its defeat, I understand it very, very well. All right. Uh, and I want to also mention something that I saw from, uh, from our good, from Alistair Waters. He says, in today's climate, it is no longer enough to be to not to be racist. It's not enough to say I'm not racist. You actually need to be anti-racist. And that is a very true statement from Alistair Waters. 
Because right now, the, the type of racism we have right now is a very complex form. And I believe it or not, it's a more dangerous form because of, especially of people like Tim Scott, right? Tim Scott will get a pass when they know who Tim Scott is. But otherwise, you know what happens. Tim Scott should be ashamed of himself. And Obama did a good job in calling him out as he should. Anyway, we are coming close to the end of the show. Uh, I want everybody, thank you for having been here, Senor uh, Rodnin. I see that you're leaving to go with family. Uh, did I miss anybody? Did I miss calling out anybody? I will look at some of the things that I wasn't able to read later on. Please support our program. Best way to support our program is to go to uh, politicsdoneright.com slash support. politicsdoneright.com slash support. Roberto Luis, mi hermano favorito. Come on in. For those of you who want to support our trip to uh, our trip to Chicago, here is the link on the screen. It is, uh, and I said I was going to make a pseudo link for it, but here it is on the screen, and I think it's going to be expiring pretty soon. I need to go ahead and update it uh, to extend the date. But again, anybody who supports this, for the people who support us at any level, you will be a co-producer and sponsor on every video that we put out there. It'll be in the scroll of the video. Anybody who supports our trip to Chicago, everybody gets that. Anybody who donates $35, the first 20 of you that donate $35 will get a copy of It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relative Friends and Neighbors, as well as a sticker, a Politics Done Right sticker. Uh, those who give $100 or more will get Everything the others get, as well as a page on our Politics Done Right site that can point to anything. You can give a message. You're, there are people who already do that for other things that they've done for Politics Done Right before. For those who give $200 or more, uh, they get the, the polo shirt. They get everything that the others get. And uh, what else did we get for the $200? Uh, oh, you know, everything else the other folks get as well, as well as a page, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, please support however you can. And I don't think I have the link on the screen. Let me put it on the screen. You know, I always forget to do that. But that is, that is how our setup will look at, at, in Chicago, same way that it looked in Pittsburgh last year. And you guys also sponsored Pittsburgh. And here is the actual donation. Ends. Oh, it ended. I got to go update that. Uh, I will go over. Let's see if it still takes donations. It looked like it's not taken anymore. I will update the link and, uh, and, and fix that so that we can actually, we didn't make the quota, but I'll go ahead and fix that and put a new link up to the, to the link here. I didn't realize it expired. All right. Anyhow, we got to get out of here. My name is Egberto. Hey, Bridge MCP. Thank you so kindly for that super chat. Breach always supports this program. Anybody else who wants to give a super chat, just go ahead and hit that join button and, and throw in that super chat here. Support what we're doing here. Very important that we get the support from you all. And again, the, the, the one link that everybody that shows all the different forms in which you can support us, my dear brothers and sisters, is at politicsdoneright.com slash support. politicsdoneright.com slash support. Anyway, got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right.
And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.